Let's talk about all things legal. Whether you're a seasoned travel business owner or you're ready and roaring to re-enter the travel industry, we have totally got you. Tune in as we go deep into the important things you need to know about protecting your travel business and staying legally legit. Hey, I'm Steph, and I'm obsessed with all things travel, marketing, branding, and helping you stand out from the crowd. In just under two years, I went from being a home-based travel agent with zero clue how to make it work in the digital world to launching an international ranking travel podcast and creating an online course to help travel agents in lead generation. Here's one thing I know for sure. There has never in the history of the world been a better time to create the travel business you've always wanted. All you need is an actionable strategy and someone to show you the way. Picture this, we're going to spend the next hour of our time together at the Swim Up Pool Bar, where over a cocktail, we deep dive into travel-related topics, mixed with a little classroom training. This show is dedicated to encouraging you to step outside of your comfort zone and into your travel business. I'll show you how I did it and how you can too. Hit subscribe now and let's get into it. If you're a travel agent wanting to stand out in the digital world, but you struggle with consistency, tech isn't your jam and you have no idea where to start, join my free masterclass where I talk about exactly this. Head to stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass. You're listening to Unplug in Paradise, the podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Unplug in Paradise. My name is Stephanie Myers, travel agent, podcast host, and online course creator of the industry-exclusive online program, Travel Agent Runway, coming to you live today from my home on the Tweed Coast in northern New South Wales. It is so beautiful outside today, beautiful sunny morning, went for a lovely walk before taking my son to school, so I'm feeling pumped, and yeah, I just wanted to bring up a couple of things before I introduce today's special guest, which I'm sure you are going to absolutely love. First, I wanted to give a huge shout out to all the travel professionals who have signed up to my live masterclass happening this week. I'm so excited and I'm just going through the manifest now and I can already tell it's going to be such an epic session. So consider this my final boarding call. If you're a travel agent and you're ready to get your name up in lights this year and grow your digital presence without spending a ton of time navigating through all the tech stuff yourself, you need to join us. The link for you to sign up will be in today's show notes. So don't forget to do that. I will also remind you towards the end of the episode too. And secondly, Actually, I feel like I may need to speak to this in a separate episode, but I quickly do just want to touch on and remind you that it's okay for people to not be 100% on board with your business as a small business owner. And you're probably wondering, Steph, where in the world is this coming from? (laughs) But please hear me out. I suppose this comes off the back of a couple of really in-depth conversations that I've had where agents this week are feeling incredibly unacknowledged and unrecognized in the space where they're trying to do things differently. They're thinking outside the forbidden square, right? Particularly when it comes to reaching out to our existing clients and bringing in new clients into your business ecosystem. I've noticed, and this is why I'm here, because I, and my mission is to fill the gap in our industry when it comes to supporting travel entrepreneurs to rise up because the last two years has been absolutely crap. And we are here to break the mold out of those outdated marketing strategies that we've been forever accustomed to and implement strategies into your business that actually work. There is so much expectation for agents to stay inside those four little walls in their business and be good little travel agents. <laughs> and what people are wondering now is, is what 
is this for? What is it all for? Is this what I've battled two years for? Is this what I've deserved when it comes to me existing in the business world? Yeah, pretty passionate about it. So I could probably go on all day just about that one topic. So I'll definitely be doing a podcast around it if uh, if I get some more messages and things like that coming through. would love to speak more to it. But if this is hitting you in the feels and you're feeling in any way unappreciated in the work that you're doing or you've spent a lot of time putting yourself out there and need some loving on your content or you're just wondering how on earth can you break the ceiling and expand your travel business, please let me know because I want to have that conversation with you, especially if you're committed to the next level of your business as well. If you're proactive right now, actively being a forward thinker in the industry and oozing that enthusiasm for what this brand new travel movement and inverted commas, this golden opportunity we have right in front of us, please DM me either on Facebook or Instagram. I really want to hear from you. Now, back to today's incredible guest podcast, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Riz McDonald, founder and director of Found Legal. Riz has 16 plus years experience as a lawyer and brings you her firsthand experience, insight and legal know-how to all the tricky processes you face as a travel entrepreneur. Riz is definitely not one of those boring lawyers (laughs) who almost purposely does everything they can possibly can in their power to bamboozle you. No, that's not our Riz. She would never bore you to tears like that. (laughs) Instead, her mission is to make all the legal things easier way less boring and way more party vibes because it's all about feeling legally legit and feeling really empowered about it. So can't wait to introduce you to Riz and let's dive into all the juicy details. Let's do this. Before we begin today's episode, would you please join me while we recognize the generations of the local Aboriginal people of the Bundjalung Nation who have lived in and derived their physical and spiritual needs from the forests, rivers, lakes and streams of this beautiful valley over thousands of years as the traditional owners and custodians of these lands. Today's episode, I am welcoming Riz McDonald from Found Legal. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's so great to host you. Oh, I'm my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Riz. We met during a group coaching program called Launchpad last year because we are both online course creators. So we are both very much in this space where we have to make sure that we are doing everything legit. And the same goes from when we are starting our own travel agencies from scratch or we may have been in trouble for a little while and we didn't really know what it was or what it is entailed in legitimizing our businesses. And I know that you're no stranger to creating a business from scratch, Riz. So if you don't have the legal skills, you would agree. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely a minefield um, trying to go through those really crazy, scary, daunting times. Um, you're practically in the dark. And I know there's plenty of travel agents out there that are going through the motions of re-entering the industry at the moment. So it would feel like after forever, so much has changed and yeah, they just don't even know which way to go. So how did Found Legal come to fruition, Riz? And can you tell us a little bit about where you are? Sorry, who you are, where you're from? We want to get to know you. Absolutely. So uh, Riz McDonald, um, I've been a lawyer for about 16 plus years. We'll stick to 16 plus. Um, I started off, um, I grew up in Wales, in Cardiff to be uh, specific. I did my law degree in Scotland, hence the accent, hybrid accent. Uh, You notice the Welsh when I've had a few wines. Um, And certainly when I say my R's, you'll notice as well. So there's a little tip for you. I'm a mother of two, a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. And I've got two fur babies as well, Ronnie and Reggie, who I, all four of who I adore, although the dog's easier to manage. Um, I've, uh, I started life as a, a office junior and I met some amazing, incredible women who inspired me to study law and become a lawyer myself. Uh, I worked predominantly in private practice, which is other law firms. And then I moved in-house, which is working for um, 
companies, so my clients around me, basically. So I worked for a bank and then I also worked for an insurance company and uh, a few others in between. Um, so I, I learned a lot more working in-house than I did uh, in private practice because I was more exposed to the business and I loved I, I loved that business aspects. And so um, when I had my youngest, Ella, I um, decided to start my own side hustle because I was frankly um, a bit bored on maternity leave, um, much as I adore my children. And uh, I started an online business, an e-commerce business, and I absolutely loved that business strategy, that growth around the business and how to scale it. Um, look, don't get me wrong, I made so many mistakes running that business and it took me a long time to get profitable. Uh, but I, all those learnings I gained from that, I applied um, to Find Legal. And Find Legal kind of came about nearly three years ago. Uh, I started it in September 2019. And um, basically, it was from a combination of frustration over you know, choices and freedom and flexibility, as well as seeing a gap in the market for affordable legal services that um, didn't have all that legalese around it that were actually fun, dare I say, and suiting my personality because I always felt like a bit of a, a square peg in a round hole. Uh, and so um, find is a reflection of me. It's it's my personality. I'm a little bit cheeky. I'm a little bit, you know, informal. I've got a bit of a potty mouth on occasion. You know, it reflects all of those things about me. And um, and it's definitely given me that freedom and flexibility that I was looking for as well. And what do I mean by that? And I'm sure a lot of, um, you know, business owners uh, uh, think and want the same things uh, as I do. And that is the, the freedom to choose when I wanted to work and where I wanted to work. Um, and the flexibility as well. So I work from my home office. I'm able to go and attend, um, you know, uh, school functions for my children. And and once they're in bed, I can work then as well. So there is no nine to five, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I was looking for something like that. Mm, yeah, us travel agents can certainly relate to the non-traditional business hours. <laughs> I quite like working at night. I'm a little bit of a night owlry. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah, when the world is yeah. sleeping, that is when I get my jam on. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, I love Found. I love everything that you've created with Found. I love the creativity behind it. I love how it how it's informal because it relates to so many of us on that informal level because that's where we're heading into the legal space. We don't yes. know. We aren't lawyers. We're travel no. agents. You know, it's no. very far from where we need, you know, to be in, in way of that we follow the rules very much in our job. We follow yeah. airline rules, you know, suppliers' rules, terms and conditions are our friend, yeah. you know, in our industry. So I suppose when we're moving forward in the space and we're just starting up, like what are sort of some of the things that we can do to legitimise our business from the outset? Okay. So first of all, you know, think about what is your business plan and have a strategy uh, and document that what are your goals what are your short and long-term goals for your business and when you look at those practical aspects you tie in your legals into that as well and those legals uh, as to what legals you would need depends on your structure as well are you going to be a sole trader are you going to be a company are you going to be a partnership so for example if you're going to be a company and somebody else is involved as well then you may need a shareholders agreement. If you're a partnership and you're running a business with somebody else, you're going to need a partnership agreement. If you have a website as well, and I hope that you do, you know, you're going to need website terms and conditions, a privacy policy. And depending on the nature of what you do, there may be additional um, legal documents like um, uh, in your website terms and conditions, but also calling out separately any kind of booking fee policy, refund policy, cancellation policy, those kind of things need to be very clear uh, and available um, to your potential customers uh, as well. So they're the kind of things you need to be mindful of from the get-go and stepping back a little around that business strategy and plan as well as doing your due diligence around your business name doing the searches of the IP uh, Australia uh, register to make sure that the name isn't taken, um, uh, uh, 
checking ASICs register as well, checking your domain name availability, your social media handles as well for availability so that you can have everything um, almost synchronized and the name is the same across all platforms, um, that you're not taking somebody else's name. You know, it's okay to do all of that, um, to go ahead with that name. Uh, as well. So you need to be thinking of uh, a bunch of those things because the last thing you want is select a name, think it's amazing, spend a ton of money, you know, uh, building your brand assets only to discover it's somebody else's registered trademark. So just make sure you do the practical things as well um, that will have a legal impact if you don't. Um, and those are the kind of the documents that come to mind as well. Uh, I'm not sure if I said about privacy policy, but if I haven't, you should have one of those as well on your website. And certainly um, businesses like Facebook and Google expect you to have one. Um, and having things like the website policy, the cancellation policies, the privacy policy, it's actually makes you professional, look professional as well as, you know, a legal obligation and, and complying with not just privacy laws, um, you know, for a privacy policy, but having those details around cancellations, etc., from a consumer law perspective as well. So it's really important to have all those things. It legitimizes you as well and makes you look professional, potentially good for SEO as well. Yes, 100%. A lot of the agents that I talk to are actually on a franchise agreement. So what are some of the things that we can do to safeguard ourselves when it comes to our franchise agreement? Because I do know that there's a lot of websites that agents do have and yep. the privacy policies and um, terms and conditions are very much reflective of those of the actual company itself. Yep. But it's not necessarily you as yep. an individual. So what can we do to safeguard ourselves when it comes to franchise agreements and yeah basically operating business on behalf of a franchise so when you're um if you are a it depends on if you're the franchisor or franchisee franchisee um, so where you're a franchisee you're going to be working um with the franchisor and you'll enter into a, what we call a franchise agreement um, and look, it's been a long time since I worked on franchise agreements, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But um, as with any agreement, you know, just make sure you've understood the terms and conditions. You've obtained independent legal advice for yourself before you enter in into that agreement, because there's going to be certain rules around your obligations, um, around the money that you pay for that franchise as well. Don't rely on um, the statements or representations made by the franchise or uh, make sure that any statements or representations made by them are contained in the franchise agreement. If they're not in there, they don't count necessarily. Obviously, the franchisor also has an obligation to comply with, um, you know, the franchising uh, compliance requirements, the code of conduct as well. It's not just a one way street. But as a franchisee, you know, you need to be really aware of what you're signing and get that independent advice around what you're signing, whether that fee is worth um, the investment. Do your due diligence on the franchisor as well before you go ahead, um, have a look at what the fees look like, what your obligations are, as I've said, um, and what your rights are as well. It's really, really important to understand those things and, and what happens if things go wrong and, and what does that mean for you and how can you address that. So it's really important that you, if you don't understand or if you're concerned or if you're not sure that you get that appropriate um, independent legal advice, don't just rely on what the franchisor is telling you um, uh, before you enter into any kind of franchise arrangement. Mm. Um, and, and the franchisor does have an obligation to provide you with certain documentation that is required by the code as well. Um, and, um, and typically, you know, there can be um, uh, ability to negotiate certain things and don't be afraid to do to do that as well before you enter into a franchise agreement. But having said all of that, it's a franchise. So there will be certain things that are the same for everyone um, as to how it's run, how the um, any trademarks are associated with the franchise they use, etc. There will be certain things um, that are kind of consistent across the board for all franchisees. Mm. Um, so but it's really, really important that you do understand what you're entering into, what it means, you know, are you impacted on a personal level? Should you, you know, set up a company structure before you enter into the franchise arrangement? Um, because as a sole trader, as a sole individual, um, you are your personal assets on the line. 
uh, as well. So you need to have a good think about, um, you know, what you're doing and what kind of guarantees you're providing under that franchise agreement as well. Mm, Exactly. I know that franchise agreements are pretty overwhelming. I mean, they come to you in a big wad of, you know, paper or you get sent like a big massive file to download and you're spending hours trying to go through it. You don't have that legal mindset. So you're not necessarily uh, in, you know, reading the information as it's intended because it's very much up to our interpretation, especially if we are not skilled. Uh, So where can we, where can we go for advice for franchise agreements, Riz? So I'm happy to provide the name of a a franchise lawyer and I'll send the details to you. Um, I just need to get the details of the contact uh, for this person, but um, you should go to somebody who uh, does franchising basically. Uh, I used to do uh, work, uh, and that's why I'm familiar with franchise agreements, Um, but the code changes and I'm not familiar with the current code requirements. And I would um, prefer it if your listeners went to somebody who is on top of all the recent regulations and laws relating to franchising um, and, and go and see the expert in it. So don't go just to a commercial lawyer who has contract experience, go to somebody who actually has franchise agreement experience with franchises and dealing with franchisees and franchisors. Okay, no worries. Now that sounds great. Whoever needs that information, they can contact me. I will send that through to you (laughs) in a private message. But just circling back to what you said earlier, Riz, about trademarks. Trademarks, where do we start? I know I've recently just gone through this process with Found Legal took the weight off my shoulders. I did not have to stress about anything once. If I had a question, it was only an email away. And I just love being able to not having to decipher that information myself. You know, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the pitfalls are. You guys are the experts. So yeah. how do we, how do we go about obtaining a, a trademark? And what are some of the key things that we need to think of before we do that? So Before you go for a trademark, you need to, and I think I mentioned this um, before, and that is you should make make sure you do your due diligence before you set your heart on the name that you've come up with, okay? And so that means doing the Google searches, social media searches, ASIC searches, and IP Australia's website. Um, So IP Australia is where you would go to to... um, you know, file an application to register a trademark. So they have a trademark register that you can also do a search of. And the other thing you should do is search for spelling mistakes as well. So for example, find legal, the word find has two Ds in it. So I would be checking for both. Find with one D and find with two Ds. You know, little things. Don't just, um, you know, type in what you think is a vanilla name, so to speak, and expect... um, you know, uh, all the results, just make sure you check for the spellings as well, the slang versions or uh, and what have you when you're doing that research. Um, and also don't publicize your name until you've nailed all the all the due diligence. And that means mm. you've uh, locked down the social media handles, you lock down the domain name, you've locked down the uh, with ASIC, the registration of the business name there. And then you've also um, got the trademark Um, application already running as well. So just be mindful of those things before you go public with the name as well. So a combination of due diligence and keep it quiet until you've registered the (laughs) trademark because um, getting a business name does not give you exclusive rights to that name. Other people can also potentially use that name in the same area uh, as well if it's not um, locked down as a registered trademark. Um, And basically, a trademark is a legal way of owning and distinguishing, you know, your name, the goods and services your business advertises and provides. Um, And and it's an easy mistake people make is confusing trademarks with copyright. So copyright is something that protects the original expression of an idea. So if you take a photograph, if you write a story, a blog article, the website content, those things are uh, are protected by copyright. You don't have to register for that protection. Whereas... um, Um, you know, a trademark is uh, where you're protecting your brand, your business and your ideas. So a trademark is uh, can be more than just a business name or logo. You know, you can actually trademark um, phrases, movements, signs, images and even smells like 
Coco Chanel number five. You know, if you think of Tiffany and that color, they've re- trademarked the color. So whenever I see that color, I always think Tiffany. Uh, so that's the brand. That's the power mm. of brand association for you, right? So they've mm. um, protected that color um, uh, as a trademark. Um, and, and that's, um, and one of the mistakes small businesses make is thinking small. Um, and they don't think to protect their intellectual property, which I think is a mistake because it's a valuable asset that can be monetized. And it's such a great way of, you know, joining the dots in terms of that brand awareness. So now if you think about, you know, that color that I'm talking about, that particular shade of blue, you you would straight away think of Tiffany's, right? Mm. Um, or if you see a particular shade of, um, it, when you see that um, Macca's logo, that <laughs> M, you know it's Macca's, right? Yes. Uh, you know, so when you think of those things, it, it it's really does bring that brand awareness, that brand association with that particular thing. Um, so, and it's an important uh, uh, intellectual property asset as well. You can monetize it. So, um you know, for example, Disney, they're in the business of making movies, not, you know, toys. Uh, so they license their name to other companies uh, to manufacture toys and then oh, cut, get a okay. slice of the deal, so to speak. You know, so you you see. Um, so I've got my phone. I don't know if anyone can see this, but um, the, the back of my phone case is a beautiful pattern uh, and a, a surface pattern designer would have designed that and licensed it to the, f- the phone company that makes the phone cases and make money every time a phone case with her design is sold. So there's lots of different ways in which you can make money from your intellectual property. In this case, this is copyright. Okay, not a mm. trademark. But mm. what I'm trying to explain, I guess, is it's not just about trademarks, but your copyright as well. You can monetize that. Um, so have a think about those things and, and make sure you protect your brand. It's a valuable asset. And one day when you want to sell your business, it's it's um, something that's worth something to, to um, on sell as mm. well. So you can license your business name like Disney have done, uh, so your trademark. Uh, and you can also um, license your beautiful, um, you know, designs and your copyright as well. So it depends on what it is that you create and how you want to protect it and, and making sure that what you do becomes synonymous with that name. Um, mm. So with the trademark as well, so a couple of things to be mindful of um, is um, you need to, like I said, it the only way to get exclusive rights to your brand name um, is to register it. Um, uh, not just registering the business name is not enough. So don't, you know, get confused with that. There's also obviously there's registered trademarks and unregistered trademarks. And let me just sort of talk to you difference about that as well. So a registered trademark is one that's been approved by IP Australia. So it's on the register and then you can use that little I in a circle symbol Mm -hmm. and if you see that and you will have seen that on say things like tiffany's and coca-cola or disney etc um whereas an uh, unregistered trademark uh is protected by common law and it features the little tm symbol so having a registered trademark enables you to take immediate action against another business infringing on your rights whereas with an unregistered trademark it's a lot harder you've got to prove why um the other person is infringing upon your right. You've got to prove that you've been in business for X number of years and you've been running this business for so long and look, you know, this is how big it is, etc. You've got to provide a lot of evidence to prove, you know, that you own this um, uh, and, um, and, and to protect it. Whereas with a trademark that's registered, you just hand over your registration number. Well, not just, but you know what I mean. It's a lot easier to prove that you have a, a trademark uh, and that you have rights. Um, and, and you go through that process. Now, in terms of um, once it's registered, just do understand, though, that any registration in Australia is uh, protection in Australia. So if you want to go global, you have to think about registering in those countries as well. And that's a separate um, process as well. Um, but if you're only wanting to be protected in Australia, then you go through IP Australia. To make sure the registration is successful, your proposed trademark has to be distinctive. It can't be too similar or or identical to another trademark. 
and you need to make sure you um, uh, select the right class of goods and services as well. So it's really important that you uh, can meet those um, steps, so to speak. Um, otherwise, you know, you may fail in your application. So you can DIY it as long as you have an understanding of that process and you can follow that process and you've got the time to go and do that. Alternatively, you can engage uh, a lawyer to do that for you. And that's something we also um, uh, is a service that we provide as well. Mm, and I love that you guys provide that because when it came to me, uh, you know, copy, sorry, not copywriting, trademarking my online course name, for example, uh, I didn't know what at that time that I potentially wanted to maybe expand to other classifications but it was a question that was asked at the very beginning of the process. And I suppose if you're DIYing that, you wouldn't even have the opportunity to even think beyond what the next five years might look like. It might yeah. be the next 10 years or, you know, however long. Yeah. And just having somebody who's the expert in that just takes so much hard work out of it. And I think us travel agents, like we just love shortcuts and easy, easy <laughs> things. <laughs> people to do stuff for us because we are so busy doing stuff for every every everyone else our clients etc yeah. uh so just circling back to copyright I know you've shed quite a lot of light on copyright but yep. what about when it comes to social media and you've got those copycats basically uh, copying what it is that you're doing and let me just rephrase this in a way that it's quite relevant to the industry so Travel agents, we are, you know, most of us are franchisees, uh, some are independent. So, you know, and some of them just, some of us just work for brick and mortar stores. But for those small business owners who do publish things on social media, yeah. it can come across as quite generic and yes. easy for someone else to come along and go, cool, that person just took the words out of my mouth. I'm just going to copy and paste that. Like, obviously, there's nothing about it that's screaming your IP because it's yeah. very much just a generic thing. So I w I'm not yeah. talking about that exactly. I'm talking about when you are stepping into your own space and really solidifying you as a business, not just a service person who's talking yeah. to your clients. I'm not talking about the middleman, you know, we're trying yeah. to make travel agents step out of that middleman role, step into their own space in their own business and being that, uh, you know, conglomerate of that where the transaction actually happens and where the knowledge base is. So when it comes to copywriting and it's your own stuff, what do we do? What can we do? That's uh, legal. Yeah. So <laughs> um, <laughs> so with um unfortunately with the digital age, as you can appreciate, um copycats are now um, you know, it's become prolific. Uh mm. and it's um you need to sort of think about um what it is that's been copied, how that impacts you in your business as well. So just to take a step back, um when you um, create something original, um, then you are the owner of that content and copyright exists the moment it's created. So whether you wrote a, a, a blog or a, an ebook or um, the content on your website, you know, all of those things, uh, a photograph, for example, you know, they're all protected by copyright and it exists automatically in Australia. You don't need to register, um, you know, for uh, copyright protection, I guess is what I'm saying. But then you need to think about, um, you know, how can you protect it? And, and typically when you have content on um, social media, it becomes a, kind of almost like a free-for-all. Um, <laughs> And um, sometimes. <laughs> yes, it does. And um, and Instagram is a really popular social media platform, as you know, and original work tends to be copied pretty much instantaneously. And it's a worldwide platform as well. Um, so copyright protection gives you the exclusive rights to choose how and if your creation can be used by others. Um, and um, but it depends on a number of things as well. You've got to be able to make sure that what you've created is original um, and to... Hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. 
I just wanted to pop in to invite you to my free masterclass where I'll be sharing my exact three-step system to building a rockstar personal brand that attracts your dream clients into your database so you can step up into your travel biz, own your authority and grow your online presence. And not only that, but you'll also get your hands on my entire travel agent runway framework for standing out in the digital world without the tech overwhelm and not knowing where to start. Want in? Head to stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass and save your spot now. See you there. You know, avoid uh, being the infringer as well, I guess, is making sure that what you're adding into the um, you can, I guess, report the infringement. Let me try and there's so many different things and I'm kind of all over the shop here. So let me just bring it back. Uh, my thoughts are going everywhere. This is um, a big topic. But uh, before you report your Instagram co uh, copyright infringement uh, to Instagram or send a cease and desist letter, um, it's important first to work out where the infringement has actually taken place. Um, so before you get that ball rolling. Um, so um, for example, if you appear in a photo or video uh, on Instagram, it doesn't automatically mean you have rights over that content. Um, you know, taking a photo of something, you don't potentially automatically have rights over, uh, prevent others from taking similar photos, for example. Mm. Mm. Um, a certain creative work may, be your, uh, may not even be yours. If you, even if you produce it yourself, it depends uh, on if you create that as part of your employment, for example. So there's lots of different things to be uh, nuances, shall we say. Um, and look, even with those exceptions, though, you still have right over most of the content that you create. Um, so if you like took a picture of, say, Sydney Harbour Bridge or something and posted it to your Instagram, then that photo is your photo of, you know, Sydney Harbour. Um, so you have rights over anything that you've created yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so when there is a, a scenario where you think your copyright has been infringed, you reach out um, to the individual or the person because sometimes they don't even realize they've done it, mm -hmm. uh, that what they've done is uh, infringement. Um, so you can reach out and, and, and try that step first in the first instance um, uh, before you then take more steps. So if you feel like, for example, somebody is copying you to the extent that people are confused uh, between your business and their business, uh, mm. then you've got a couple of different rights there uh, under both um, copyright law protection as well as consumer law protection, um, where you can obviously report then uh, report them to Instagram to try and get the, that particular social media account shut down. Mm -hmm. You can send them a cease and desist letter where you set out what you're gonna what you expect from them. Uh, you know, break down why you own that copyright and why you think they're infringing it and, and you know, and, and, and talk to what they need to do, you know, i.e. take it all down, please. Um, so you can do that. And then the final step, I guess, would be um, uh, if they're not going to listen is um, work with a lawyer. Look, you can actually get a lawyer to do the cease and desist for you. And sometimes that seems more scary shall we say when it's on a lawyer's letterhead or you can do it yourself first before you then go that next step of engaging a lawyer so that that option is up to you as in, in and in terms of your individual circumstances and situation because once you do get the lawyers involved you you're, you're looking to follow through on that and I guess you know there's a couple of things to think about when you want to um, keep going with that um, those steps to protect your copyright and that is have they copied one, one caption and changed some wording um, or are they consistently copying you and now people think it's your business you need to decide whether um, from a commercial business perspective um, uh, whether the the infringement and proceeding with stopping them from infringing on you is something you want to take go down that road and the costs and expenses associated with that mm, yeah and so I think there is a bit of emotion that happens with that process as well Riz. yes yeah so there's a there's a cost uh, scenario there as well as a mental health uh, scenario mm. as well and what I mean by that is that you're then spending a lot of time 
uh, on this one thing instead of focusing on your business and grow, you know, you become consumed almost by this scenario. This situation has taken up a lot of space uh, from uh, what you should normally be doing, shall we say. Um, that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't take any steps at all. Absolutely. You know, but you, like I said, you need to think about, well, is there an actual infringement happening? And if it is, how serious is it? And how strongly do you feel about it as well? And before you then take those next steps, there's no harm in reaching out and asking them nicely, you know, to stop and then following it through if they don't with a cease and desist, um, which is one of the first kind of formal steps of protecting your rights. Um, you can also obviously reach out to platforms like Instagram uh, with evidence to support your situation as well to get the account taken down um, and, and have others help you as well in doing that. One thing you shouldn't do, though, is publicly name and shame and say inappropriate things because you could land yourself in hot water by doing that much as um, you know you want to. So it's really important to be mindful of uh, how you approach it as, as well so that you don't end up uh, on the wrong side of the law yourself. Um, mm. So you it's it's hard. Um, I mean there's so much of it happening but you do need to look step back a, a moment look at what's being infringed reach out to them and then start that that step-by-step -step process. So for example, let's use an example where they've wholesale started copying you and they essentially look like you and customers are starting to go to their platform over yours and starting to buy from them because they think they're you. Um, mm. In that it's scenario, that makes me sick, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So in that scenario, you should be going in hard. You yes. know, you should take the, you know, try the softly, softly approach first. Make sure you take all the evidence, by the way, if I haven't mentioned that already, mm. screenshot everything, you know, mm. keep, and um, the other thing you could do for your own um, uh, as part of building up a case, so to speak, even if it doesn't end up going anywhere is having a look at your content and the date you created all of that content and make sure you have those original digital files as well. Um, and, and, you know, with the likes of Google and OneDrive, et cetera, there is that digital imprint of when it was mm -hmm. first created. So you have all of that to help and support you around dates. So make sure you collate all the evidence, both your own to prove that you created the original content and what they're doing as well so that when you do go down that cease and desist route and and potentially even further the um one of the things you can do you see is if they're profiting off the back of your hard work you are potentially entitled to an accounting of profits from them of any profits they've made from your work oh wow so okay. that's potentially you know one of the scenarios now sounds amazing and it can potentially be amazing depending on the situation, but you've got to balance that up between the costs, the legal costs of chasing that mm -hmm. versus how much is actually going to come your way, if you see what yeah. I mean. And it's yeah. not just that, but it's also that long term as well. So you might want to, regardless of the legal costs and how much money you get back from them, there might be also you know, as part of that settlement, you would also get them to stop what they're doing completely. So you're not losing money further down the road as well. So you need to factor all these things in um, as part of your decision to proceed with um, uh, the the case against that mm. infringer as well. Mm. So um, it's really important to, you know, as you can see, there's lots of nuances, um, but it is important that you um, have a think about all the steps that are required what's involved is there an infringement as well you know and and what can you do uh, to protect yourself what can you do those first steps to reach out and ask them to stop as well um, mm. so it's really really important um, that you uh, you know take a step back uh, mm. before you um, go in gung-ho and all guns blazing as well yeah you know I, I suppose that'll me more relevant to our travel ag travel agents who are actually creating their own personal brand and creating their own content and you know leaning into that more creative side of things because I suppose our creative side of things is how we can make your holiday awesome yeah by you know yeah. personal touches personal yeah. recommendations etc but then yeah. they are our recommendations but the actual product itself doesn't belong to us so Correct. when it comes to like liability 
for our sake in terms of errors and also in terms of suppliers perhaps not delivering on what a customer has paid, uh, you know, like cancellations, charges, refunds and credits. So where where can we stand, where do we stand in that respect when it comes to suppliers that we are, you know, basically in partnership with? Yeah. But who may not be, um, you know, delivering the goods that our client has yeah. entrusted us to deliver via our suppliers. Yeah. So you need to um, be careful around what your cancellation policies, your terms and conditions are, um, and make sure that you have back-to-back, so to speak, coverage between you and the supplier. So whatever your supplier offers, you need to make sure that you can offer the same or you are intended to offer the same thing. So you can't offer, say, a 30-day refund policy, say, for example, if your supplier doesn't offer a 30-day refund policy. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Because that will impact you as a business. You need to make sure there's mirror provisions, if you like, um, in your cancellation policies. You need to be clear around what they are as well and uh, also have insurance in place uh, to protect you. So you need good terms and conditions, um, a very clear uh, policies for your end user, the consumer, um, and make sure that the contract terms with your supplier are very clear around those things and what will happen and make sure you negotiate with them so that whatever you then offer your client, the supplier is offering you as well. So you're Mm. not out of pocket because of a supplier. And you need to be clear with your clients as well that there are certain things that you cannot control. Uh, Mm. And that should be detailed in your, um, you know, your policy terms as well. So Mm -hmm. it's really, really important what you document. Um, So under consumer law, obviously, there are scenarios where uh, consumers are entitled to a refund or a credit um, or a rebooking, um, you know, because of various reasons, including the dreaded C word, COVID, Um, you know. So there there are, um, you know, some rules that obligations uh, under consumer law, Um, but there's also an understanding on the part of the government and the regulators that small businesses have been impacted as well. So as long as your terms and conditions are very, very clear around, you know, is there going to be a refund? Is there going to be a credit? And you're clear that you're using third party services. And so therefore, you may be impacted by those as well. And be clear about what you can and cannot offer. Um, And, you know, you'll get in trouble if your terms and conditions are not clear. Um, You'll get in trouble if you made a promise that you can't deliver on. You know, um, if you said you would give a refund and then don't um, because your supplier doesn't, for example, um, Mm. you know, if you're not clear around um, those things, then uh, you could land yourself in um, trouble. Uh, as well. So it's really, really important that your terms and conditions are clear uh, on your website. Um, Make it clear, though, you know, you are entitled to retain some kind of deposit or fee uh, associated with the work that you've already done uh, if you are offering to um, provide some kind of refund um, Mm. or um, a need to. But your terms and conditions with the supplier need to be paid close attention to as well. Mm. Um, Because if they're not um, offering, um, you know, certain things that you are then offering, as I said before, to your end user, then there's a mismatch there. And you might not even be protected by your own insurance as well in that scenario. So it's really, really important that you have clear communication with your supplier, that you make it clear where your liability stands with the consumer um, and where your, um, you know, what your policies are on those things as well. Mm. So as long as there's that and you comply with those uh, consumer laws as well, um, then you should be okay. Um, But you need to have that clarity in your terms and conditions. You need to have that understanding of the supplier's terms and conditions as well. Mm, Yeah, I think because we deal with thousands of different suppliers, which means, you know, thousands of different terms, conditions. Exactly. And so that's why you can't promise, you know, for all those, you need to be clear in your terms and conditions that there's these additional terms and conditions that apply. Mm, If you see what I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's really complex because say, for example, Riz, you're heading back to, you know, <laughs> to Europe. I'm going to send you there. But on the way, I'm going to book you in 10 different, you know, hotels or, you know, we've booked first class and Emirates. Let's just say first class. Shall yeah. We? That's, we only travel first class. Okay. <laughs> And um, and then you know you stay overstaying in Dubai. You've got a hotel there with a different supplier. You know, by the time you arrive, you've got all sorts of different suppliers that we all are booking individually. So we've got say like ten or twelve plus different suppliers with different um, terms and conditions. How on earth do we like like obviously well, we us agents navigate that already, but making like an umbrella terms and conditions that is for that protects the agent. Like I know there's been a lot of talk about this recently because it's obviously a huge issue in our industry at the moment. Like, yeah, there's, I don't feel like that there's just going to be one set thing that's going to be applicable to everyone and everything. So I suppose that just goes exactly along the lines of what you just said about making sure that we're checking, dotting our I's, crossing our T's and literally covering ourselves on every single angle possible. Yes. And and like you said, you know, there's so many different suppliers involved. How can you be responsible for them all? Mm. Um, so that's why you need to be clear in your terms and conditions, what it is you're responsible for, what that looks like, whether mm. you're going to be um, retaining any kind of, if there's a cancellation um, or is there going to be a cancellation fee? What does a refund look like? How does that mm. all work? When are you going to give the refund back? You might you might have a longer time frame of refunds, you know, depending on the size of the agency. And, and with COVID happening, you know, you need to be really mindful of what your terms and conditions are around the time frames for giving a refund. If you do offer that, um, whether your services are impacted by third party supplies, but what does that look like um, mm. as well? And making it clear that you're not responsible for the third party but they have their own terms and conditions as well Mm, mm, that's so true and I think you know there's so many agents out there that are still waiting for credits that were actioned yeah or you know deposits that are waiting to come back yeah from March 2020 like (laughs) yeah we're two years on correct and so you need to have that communication in your own terms and conditions mm. uh, around time frames etc and making it clear that you're also you know um you know uh, subject to these third party um services uh, mm. and their terms and conditions and uh, making the client the consumer aware that there are these ad- additional terms and conditions that apply to what they're purchasing and and it's not something you can control because you can't um mm. but regardless of who is providing the service, whether it's yourselves or whether it's yourselves and those third parties, all of you would be subject to Australian consumer law. So it's not just you that needs to be compliant with consumer law. They would need to be as well. And they'd land themselves in hot water if Mm. their terms and conditions are not right. But that's not your um, issue Mm. issue as such. Okay. As long as your terms and conditions are clear on on what you provide, how you provide it, what your policies are around refunds and cancellations, etc., and making it clear that certain services are provided by third parties for whom you are not responsible for, and they have their own terms and conditions, and they should read them, you know, mm. make sure uh, that they've read them uh, mm. as well. So, and they would have to comply with them. It's not something you can control, and it would be impossible for you to do that. And it's certainly not something you can um, and, and nor should you be responsible for as such. Um, your responsibility should be to be very clear around your own terms and conditions and making it clear that there are these third party terms and conditions that apply to certain aspects of the services. Mm. It's got me thinking because now I I dive want to dive in further into this rabbit hole, Riz. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, just take t- taking a step away from the supplier perspective, but between like a travel agent and client relationship, like what is it that we can do to protect ourselves when it comes to, you know, credit cards, chargebacks, frauds, liabilities? Like what is it that we can protect ourselves during that time? Oh, that's a tricky one um, yeah. because chargebacks, in my experience over the years, because I used to run an e-commerce business as well, mm. is unfortunately they always, um, and certainly with recent changes, they tend to favor the customer, the consumer. Yes. Um, so, not always right, you know. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But unfortunately, um, 
yeah, chargebacks tend to be uh, determined in favor of the customer. Yes. So you just need to, um, I say you just, I, I use the word just, um, and I don't use it. I don't mean to use it lightly, but um, unfortunately, you know, you need to um, make sure that you've got terms and conditions that protect you. You've got the right insurance to that protect you as well. Um, but the problem is, um, it's essentially a refund where a customer can go to their bank and complain that they've been, you know, uh, charged inappropriately. You need to then provide the appropriate um, evidence to show that, well, actually, you know, this was a service. It was accepted on these terms and conditions. Mm. Um, and, and, and this is what happens. Um, so you need to um, be mindful of how you uh, deal with chargebacks. Um, but you you will struggle to, to be honest to win against the banks uh unfortunately mm. but you can maybe um build things into your terms and conditions uh around um how to protect yourselves but it's going to be tricky in that regard but having your terms and conditions be very clear and having the evidence to support that well actually it's not a fraudulent transaction um, uh, and that you have provided the service that they expected, uh, you're not responsible for the third parties. And that goes back to the terms and conditions and how clear they are as well, so that when you do need to provide the evidence to um, reject that chargeback, you've got all the evidence to support you, including your terms and conditions. Mm. So the key word of the day is terms and conditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and definitely something that we all need to invest in to yeah. to keep ourselves protected and yeah. you know legit we we are professional travel agents and now that we are re-emerging it's more important now than ever right to make sure yeah. that we're doing everything that we can to protect what is left of our business and we are now growing from here yeah. so Riz I'm just wondering how you know and where do we find the information if we want to learn more about how we can protect ourselves in our business um so you know we uh, we provide lots of um, free content on our website. Um, mm -hmm. There's, uh, if you want to investigate trademarks further, there's IP Australia um, that can help as well. Um, and you can find uh, us on Instagram and I'm always posting uh, uh, weird reels and, and what have you <laughs> that are informative, can I just say. And uh, one of my dogs features on occasion as well, Reggie, put bless him. Um, <laughs> So uh, you can get um, access to lots of free resources as well as paid resources on our website. Um, there's also, like I said, you can um, find information via our Instagram. There's other third-party websites, like I said, IP Australia. There's also um, a website called copyright.org um, where you can find information, more information about copyright as well. Um, so there's lots of free resources out there as well. Um, and uh, otherwise, you can come and find me for both a combination of uh, free and paid resources. Yay, perfect. Thanks, Riz. And also, if you want to learn more about Found, I'll leave all the information that you could possibly want and need in today's show notes. Thank you so much, Riz, for joining us today. Wow. If you haven't taken anything from today's episode, maybe you need to go back to the beginning and turn it up a little louder. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm so grateful for your time and your wealth of knowledge in the legal space. Thank you so very much. Love the fun that you bring to the legal, you know, world. And I just love uh, all that you do in the creative space for entrepreneurs and service-based businesses alike. So thank you so much, Riz. You're amazing. Not at all. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, hopefully we'll see you around on the traps and, yeah, catch you up on the socials. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, so much. Riz. Take see care. You. Bye. Wow. How cool is it to see someone in the business world who, like Riz, is literally the walking, talking, breathing definition of someone who just doesn't fit the mold? Nor does she want to. She is someone who prides herself on her point of difference. And even though she's a lawyer and can be, you know, seen as this big, serious, scary profession, 
To make a law business her very own by injecting in her own personality and flair, I am a solid hell yes to that (laughs) because that is the perfect example of what stepping into your authority in the online world is all about and I am here for it. Thanks again, Riz, for appearing and thank you to all the agents out there who tuned into this episode. I really hope it was useful for you. So please be sure to let me know if there was any golden nugget takeaways that perhaps dropped in during this one. And if you're wanting to download an online version of today's show notes, you can head over to travelbystephanie.com.au forward slash 43 for all of the details on why you need to invest in protecting your travel business and stay legally legit. Riz also has a handy freebie to assist those people who are returning to the travel industry and starting their own mobile travel agencies. So to download the free business startup checklist, head over to today's show notes and the link will be there as well. Also, if you are free this coming Thursday, the 7th of April, I would love to invite you to my live training, which is to steal my three-part travel agent runway framework and learn how you can stand out in the digital world. If you're keen to sign up, the link is stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass. The link and everything will be in the show notes as well. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're feeling super generous, feel free to leave me a five-star rating and review, and I will give you a dedicated shout out in my next episode. Also, I did want to just send out a special acknowledgement to Unplug in Paradise guest Sally Prosser, who came on the podcast in episode 39, to help us all own our voice and speak like the true travel expert we are. Sal left me the most beautiful review on Apple Podcasts that I would love to share with you. Sal was kind enough to leave me a five-star review. She says that the podcast is fantastic. It provides practical info, inspiration, and hope to those many travel agents hit hard by the pandemic. Steph is a pioneer in this field, and if you're in the travel industry, it's a must listen. So thank you so much, Sal, for your kind words. Absolutely love them. They made my week. I hope to see you at the masterclass. Really looking forward to it. Like I said before, there's heaps of agents that have signed up to it already. It's going to be an epic session. So make sure you bring your pen, your notepad, and all your questions are ready to roll. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.